Good evening. Welcome to On Deck, a baseball podcast with Coach Mo. This is Mauricio Molina, your host. And tonight, for the third episode of On Deck, we have a very special guest, Mark Martinez, head coach of the San Diego State University baseball program. Also joining us, Coach Dave Ming of Nevada Athletics, who played for Coach Martinez at New Mexico State and was an undrafted free agent by the New York Mets in 1995. Coach, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to our conversation, man. It should be awesome. Thank you very much, and I really appreciate you joining us. I want to make certain that our listeners just kind of have a a really good uh, understanding of your background. So I'm going to go through some of your highlights. Uh, Might be a little lengthy, but they're definitely just some of the highlights that you've you've had in your career. Uh, This is your eighth season as the head coach of the Aztecs. You are the fifth head coach in San Diego State history. So dating back to the inception of the program uh, as a large school in 1936. So, so our listeners are aware, um, Charles Smith, who was the first head coach, was there for 28 years, Lynn Olson for six, Jim Dietz for 30, uh, the late Tony Gwynn for 12, and you are now in your eighth year as the head coach, but 17th year at San Diego State. And uh, I'm... I'm sure you're looking to, to make a run at those 30 years. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> uh, your teams have the highest academic progress rate, which is essentially students on track to graduate, in the history of the program. They have the highest team grade point average in the history of the program. Over the past seven years, you've had 63 players earn Mountain West all-academic honors. Congratulations for that. You Thank went you. to an NCAA Super Regional in 2009. Uh, and since your arrival on the Mesa in 2005, 49 players have been selected in the MLB draft. Previously, you were an assistant coach at um, University of New Mexico. Yep. You were there for 17 years. Uh, you had 47 all-conference players and 31 MLB draft picks. You played shortstop at Colorado Mesa University from 1984 to 1988, where you were an all-conference and all-district as a senior. And coach, two days ago, you signed a three-year contract extension, keeping you on the Mesa through the spring of 2026. Congratulations on that. Thank you very much. uh, I'm very, very honored. It's awesome. So uh, safe to say, just based on that, those snippets of your uh, your accomplishments, uh, that one, you have experience playing at the highest level of the college game. Uh, You have coached at the highest level of college baseball. You have a profound depth of knowledge and understanding of the character and makeup of players that are successful at the college level and within the professional levels of baseball. And your players are successful in the classroom, clearly, uh, based upon their accolades. So I believe it's safe to say that you know what type of players will be successful at the, at the Division One level of college baseball, not only on the field, but off the field. Would you say Absolutely. That? Yeah, you know, I think that the one thing that we look for just right out of the gate is that, you know, I think that the one thing for for young people to understand is that, um, you know, when you come to college, there, there's definitely a there has to be a broader focus. You can't just focus on baseball, you know, and I'm looking for guys that have a, a, a mission and a goal outside of baseball. You know, what what are what are they interested in? What is their major? What are they you know, where do they see themselves five, ten years down the road if baseball does not happen? And, um, you know, I want those kids that, that, that come to San Diego State, understand that first and foremost, is that, that the baseball is a tool to get you here. You know, the real mission here is to get you through 
college, graduate, and get you on your way in your, in your career. And if baseball, you know, works out the, the, the way we all dream it will, um, you know, you're still going to have your education um, no matter what, you know, and we have a plan in place that we put into play, gosh, probably uh, 2009, 2008, right in there that, that we said, you know, we're going to change the culture and change the direction of our program academically and we hope that it kind of pays dividends for us on the baseball field. And lo and behold, once we kind of changed our our model and what we wanted in young people and, and fast track our guys into graduation and, and they're going to graduate in four years or less. Um, you know, it's a challenging program, but at the same time, kids are tough and they understand it when they commit to San Diego State that they're going to be challenged in the classroom just like they're going to be challenged on the baseball field. And and the challenge is, is to crank out units and, and get to the, the, the end of the marathon, so to speak, in a, in a very timely fashion. So if you do have an opportunity to play professional baseball, you're either going to be done with your degree and you can go out and chase your dream as long as you want, or you're going to come back for one semester and graduate, you know, as you're playing professional baseball. And, and I can tell you that, uh, you know, right now we have uh, five guys that play in the big leagues this year. I think we have, uh, I don't know, 10 to 12 guys that are in the minor leagues. Um, you know, three of the five guys that are in the big leagues finished their, their degree before they even um, st- went, went to spring training, you know, their fr- very first spring training. And, and so that, that means they signed as juniors. They played that summer, came back the next fall, um, graduated and went to their very first spring train of their college degree and they're chasing their dream. But it also, um, two things are going on there. Obviously you don't have to worry about what if, what if I don't make it? Number one is that that kind of frees you up. And, and number two is that, uh, um, going through a process like that definitely tough, toughens you up and hopefully it kind of accelerates your process through, through the minor leagues to get to the big leagues. So, um, yeah, it's very, very important to us, and it's kind of changed our culture of what we're doing here at San Diego State. And that's that's a wonderful thing is as you're you have players obviously that are achieving at a high level everywhere, and and that's that's commendable. And obviously, on paper it shows, uh, and clearly outside because if you have people graduating before they head off to spring training, their value system is based in what you are actually mentoring them to do. Correct. Absolutely. Well, you know, and, and, I, and I tell our recruits all, always, I said, what you're committing, if you do commit to San Diego State, you're committing to this ideal of understanding that, that you're not going to be on an easy track in, in, in school. And, and, and it's also very difficult to play Division One baseball. And just, you know, again, a lot of kids want that fast track on both ends, and, and it's not. It's roll up your sleeves, get after it, work, and understand you're going to be challenged every day. And it if you attack it the right way, you're going to have a very, very full day. It's a full-time job and, um, you know, you're going to be challenged and you're going to be dog tired at the end of it, you know, and, and that's okay. Um, it's, it's uh, real life, man, you know, and so the academic piece is extremely important to us. And when our kids commit to us and I tell them, don't commit if you're not willing to kind of be challenged because we're going to ask you to take an additional class each semester you're at San Diego State instead of four, you're taking five. Um, and, and that's hard. You know, you think about 56 game regular season and going through the spring with five classes, that, that's a lot of stuff to kind of juggle during the spring. But, you know, we have people in place that, that can help us out. Um, and at the same time, if, whatever you put in front of kids that are, are tough minded, you know, tough kids, they're going to get her done. And, and so that's why we've been successful in that area. And this is at it. That's at a time in the spring when they're taking five classes where most uh, or a number of programs will gear back and have the kids take four. 
Right. So right. And most most programs only do four periods. Right. So yeah. Okay. Well, and and the goal of um the goal of on deck is we're utilizing it as an educational platform, right? So we want to make certain in in our podcast today that we want to look at the life of a Division One recruit, uh, what the transitions like onto campus, on the field, off the field, and in the classroom, and really want to make certain that that there's some transparency for our listeners. Uh, who are dreaming of the D1 lifestyle so that they have uh, a really good, you know, a really good look at what that entails. I think too many people uh, look at what happens on the field or look, look, look at the great uniforms and, and playing in, uh, you know, beautiful stadiums and kind of don't realize, kind of like the tip of the iceberg, and don't realize all the hard work that goes into it. Well, and that's a daily grind. And, you know, and, and you know, a lot of a lot of kids are chasing that that what you just said, that ideal, the, the trappings that, that go along with playing a division one sport, not just baseball, you know, and it, it is, it, it's a cool deal. Like all the kind of extra stuff that you get to experience as a division one athlete are, are exceptional, right? It's, you know, playing in great stadiums and traveling and, and it's not minor league baseball. You're traveling really good, right? You're, you're eating good. And, um, you, you know, you, you go to a great university in San Diego State or wherever you might be, and, and uh, it's, a, it's a really cool thing. And people know who you are. Why? Because you play sports. And, um, and uh, you know, you're on TV. You're doing the whole deal. And, and, um, but that, that is not a good path, you know, if that's all you want out of college because that, that's definitely a, a wake-up call when you get here is that really – um, like you said, that the underneath the the trappings or the iceberg, all this other stuff that really goes into your daily grind is is really difficult, you know. And I never tell our recruits, "Hey, man, this is a layup." You know, this is this is cake, man. Um, it's not. It's it, it is. It's hard, and and I don't really think it's easy anywhere. It's wherever you go, it's going to be difficult, and you need to know that it's okay that that there's a challenge in front of you. It's there, there's not going to be anything handed to you. You're going to have to earn everything. And, and so when, when you come to San Diego State you, or anywhere really is, is you got to know it's hard. And, and what I follow that up with is winning is difficult as well. Winning is hard. And so if you, if you understand both of those things that, that, Hey, I have to prepare in order to win, you know, a college baseball game. Um, and I also need to prepare so I can win in the classroom, in life, and be, and understand it's not going to be easy. Um, and there is no finish line. And that, and I think that's one of the things that I do want to touch on is that, you know, with young people, is a lot of times what happens is they, they go through high school or even middle school, high school, chasing that opportunity and chasing and chasing. And then once they get that opportunity and, and this shiny, you know, program offers you a, a scholarship and you get, you're going to go and you're going to put it on Twitter and I'm going to this and I'm blessed to say, and I'm doing all this stuff. And that's great. Um, and so a lot of times, and I would say majority of kids, that's kind of a fake finish line. They kind of stop. Well, I, I got my goal. I did it. And, and then all of a sudden what happens is you kind of, you, you glow in that for a very short amount of time. And, and then what happens is that, you know, you, you it's really hard to recrank that, that engine back up. And you spend a lot of time going, well, what's going on? And you come to campus if, if the school didn't drop you, because maybe once you hit that fake finish line, you stopped working, your performance went down. And then a lot of schools will call you up and say, look, we're not room for you, man. It happened to a kid this summer from another program called me in, in uh, late July. And, and uh, well, he turned off. 
And then if you happen to make it to school and you're in that mindset, well, I'm, I'm reached my goal. I've arrived. That, that is a wake up call times 10. Um, because all of a sudden you start looking around is like, I got all this attention going through this. My parents were telling me how great it was. My travel ball coach, all these people. And I didn't really work as hard as I should. They know. And all of a sudden they show up and they're standing at shortstop and they're a shortstop that we recruited or whoever. And, and all of a sudden they look to their left and there's a 21 year old guy that was an all conference player last year. And they look to their, their right. And they're like, uh, you know, there, there's a, you know, sophomore 20 year old that was drafted out of high school that decided to come to school and they're sitting there going, wow, these guys are pretty good. And, and there's a gap in, in, in that transition, no matter what. But if, if uh, the kids that I really enjoy obviously getting on campus are the kids that don't hit that fake finish line. They come to campus and they understand I'm going to roll up my sleeves, keep my head down, get after and compete. That gap is, is closed um, when they're competing for playing time, not just a job, just to get, you know, get some playing time. So um, long answer, but uh, that felt as important to cover all that. No, I appreciate it. And I'm sure our listeners appreciate it. They definitely <laughs> want the insight. Um, and, and to help our listeners gain a, a good understanding of the type of players your program attracts, I'm going to highlight a couple of recruiting classes, if that's okay. Uh, first, with the incoming freshman class of 2021, uh, just a couple of players. Uh, Hunter Hargett coming in, throwing 92 miles an hour, 98th percentile rank. He was ranked the 11th best pitcher in California, according to Perfect Game. Uh, Daniel McElvany. He was a shortstop. He was the 19th best shortstop in California, according to Perfect Game. And unfortunately, he never made it to your campus uh, because he had a date with the Red Sox. Got drafted, yeah. Round. Yes. And your this last year's junior class, uh, when they came in as freshmen in 2018, you had four kids taken in the Major League Draft this year. Uh, one of them uh, I want to point out was Michael Paredes, an incoming, as an incoming freshman he was throwing about 91 miles an hour across the diamond in the 95th percentile. He was ranked the 32nd best shortstop in California by perfect game and ended up being drafted as a pitcher. As a pitcher, right. Yes. So, yeah. so amazing. How came on campus was. with a lot of right dreams and goals and aspirations. And, and uh, we, we did recruit him as a two-way player. Um, absolutely. And, um, you know, we, we kind of saw that there was something special on the mound for sure. And so that the opportunities shortstop wise, he was a little bit, he wasn't as advanced as a, as a shortstop. And, um, obviously ended up being a weekend guy for us and, um, partly in it to, you know, and he's not a big guy by any means. He's a six foot right hander. He's a, he's a guy that, that worked himself into getting that opportunity and getting drafted. And, um, you know, you know, he, he, did his velocity change? Absolutely. But what I will tell you is that he competed his tail off all three years. He was at, here as a leader in our program. And, you know, he'd get up to 94 or whatever. But, you know, the, the, the thing that separates Mike from, from a lot of people is is really how he competes and how he presents himself. You, your, your eyes gravitate to that guy when he's pitching. And, and it's because he's going to get after you. It's not, it's not demonstrative. It's not, you know, it's, it's not in your face. You don't the other dugout, that kind of stuff. But he exudes confidence and competitiveness. And that's why scouts loved him. And, uh, he's another one, just so you know, that he's graduating, um, this fall and is going to go to spring training with his, his college degree. That's amazing. Amazing. Um, and then looking at last year's statistics, uh, one, congratulations. You went 30 and 16. 
you had 16 position players listed on your roster. And just very quickly, of those 16 players, eight of them played 40 or more games. One player played or appeared in 30 or more games. One appeared in 21. One appeared in 19. And five players appeared in 12 or fewer games, which basically was less than 10% of your schedule. So 33% position, 33 of the position players on your roster played less than 10% of the games on your schedule, which is probably no doubt a testament to the talent that you have, but also sheds some light on what you were saying. You walk onto campus and all of a sudden you look around and there's the competition, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, position player wise, you know, we were, we were definitely older and then, and it showed, you know, we, we were, uh, uh, we benefited by keeping three guys from COVID, right? We had su three super seniors, Mike Jarvis, Jacob Cruz, and Ryan Orr. Um, they're called super seniors, right? They're older guys. Um, Mike Jarvis, he played shortstop every game. Jacob Cruz played first base pretty much every game. Ryan Orr played a lot as a, a super senior, played he caught a little bit, played left field, DH a little bit. Um, but, but you kind of went around the – the yard is that, that we're very old. You know, our youngest player that played a lot was Caden Miller. I believe he's as, as a redshirt freshman, um, um, actually a COVID freshman, however you want to put it. Um, we did have Fisher Pyatt play some games. Poncho Ruiz, uh, who was a freshman last year, played some games. Um, Cole Carrick um, got a lot of playing time as a freshman. He played the outfield, he played third base. He DH'd a little bit. Didn't, he came in as a catcher. That's what's crazy. Um, and, uh, didn't really, I don't think he caught one game last year because we had a senior, um, I'm, I'm sorry, a junior high draft pick, White Henry catcher. And then Poncho was a freshman as well, but Cole also, you know, had a lot of athleticism. So he got to play a bunch in different, different roles, but, you know, coming on campus, I, I can tell you, you know, the, the, um, hardest thing to do is again, just get playing time The really the next challenge as a freshman is if you win a job, you're kind of a dude, man. You're like a, you are a dude if you're playing every day um, as a freshman. And, and that is not to say it doesn't happen. It's happened in our program. We had a kid last year, his name's Matt Ruddock, who, who hit him, I think he had 400 for us last year. Um, and he stepped on campus and, you know, could hit, you know, and if you hit, you don't sit, right? And so he played the outfield and, and kind of had that, he played a lot as a freshman and then um, parlayed that in a, you know, professional career. He's getting after it. Uh, um, yeah, playing as freshman's hard. Um, and, and with the lineup we had last year, second in the country in hitting, a lot of that was a testament to how old we are. Now the turnover is that we have a lot much younger group this year. Um, and I think I feel like we're we're probably a little more athletic. Um, but uh, we're going to be really young, and and I'm going to have to change. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have to change who I am as an offensive coach because uh, we're going to have to kind of change our style a little bit. Okay, so we're going to sit back and we're going to go into um, we're going to go into basically what our, our problem is. I'm going to give you some background and my apologies ahead of time for a lot of numbers that I'm about to throw at you. Uh, okay. When you look at the ratio of schools to players, Division One baseball has about 18 percent of the existing baseball college programs, 298 total uh, compared to, two, uh, to Division Two with 259 baseball programs, um, which is 16 percent Division Three has 374 baseball programs, which is 23%. The NAIA has 212 baseball programs, again, 13%. And junior colleges uh, make up 511 programs at 31%. And there are roughly 492,000 high school baseball players across the country. 
Now, that essentially averages out to 123,000 players per grade level, freshmen through seniors. And of those 492,000 high school baseball players, 53,200 end up playing college baseball, which is obviously already shrinking that pyramid uh, in a grand way. Uh, but that averages out essentially to 13,300 players for each academic year, freshmen through seniors. And out of those 53,200 players, 11,920 played Division I baseball. That is 2.4% of all high school players end up as D1 players. 22% of all college players end up as D1 players. So we essentially have an attrition of 120,000 players a year from the senior from senior year of high school to Division One baseball, so, it, and I say this because so many have a uh, a D one or bus mentality. So you talk to a kid at the youth or high school level, and somehow the culture is that anything below the D one level is beneath them, and if they don't play D one baseball, that it's not good baseball, and they shouldn't bother. So my question to you is, what separates? freshman Division One baseball players from other NC2A divisions uh, when you're deciding whom to recruit, whom to offer a scholarship, or offer uh, a student-athlete as a preferred walk-on? Well, you know, I think, you know, with, the, with early recruiting, let's just talk about that first, is like, you know, once you go assess guys, I think probably the easiest things to, to um, evaluate, you know, are really the tools, right? You can go see if a guy's tooled out a little bit, if you can run, got some arm strength. Um, and, and is that going to continue to progress into a Division One type guy? Some kids mature a little quicker, right? And 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 they can show those those uh, attributes a little easier, you know. And so, it, it, for me, the the easiest thing to you know, I, I remind me, I'm kind of going through this because there's another thing I want to talk about. But um, the easiest thing to to evaluate are those those tools: run, hit, throw, hit for power. Um, those things are fairly easy to kind of, you know, see kids that are separate themselves pretty quickly, especially when they're, you know, sophomores, juniors, moving into their senior year, you can kind of pick those guys out. Um, so what does that, how, how's that separate? Well, obviously when you're recruiting those types of players, you know, those guys are kind of moving in through that, that food chain. And those are guys that are going to be playing the area code games and, and those kinds of things. It's not to say that that kid that's kind of lying behind him, you know, or, or playing second base and this big time shortstop being recruited by everybody or he committed to X university as a sophomore, um, that that kid's not going to be a division one player either. And we do have a saying around here at San Diego State is late is great. And what I mean by that is that, that those kids that continue to kind of have that chip on their shoulder and keep working, they get noticed as well. And their skill set starts to close that gap and they start to be able to say, hey, here's an opportunity for a kid to maybe walk on or come to school on a very small scholarship to have that opportunity if they want to play Division One baseball. But what happens also with those types of players is that, you know, the the Division Twos and, and Division Threes and NAIs and junior colleges are a great option for them as well. Because if honestly, if you want to play, there's a place for you to play if you really want to play. And, and and that kind of boils down to that is that, you know, I, I heard a lot of those metrics and those numbers that you just threw out there. Um, you you got to wonder how many of those kids really wanted to play past college, too. You know, and so those those are mind boggling numbers. But there might be, you know, a third of the kids that are playing high school baseball are just doing it because, uh, you know, their, their girlfriend's playing softball. So they can't hang out. I might as well go play baseball. Right. 
Um, you know, and so um, that could be the case too. But, uh, you know, just having kids that want to play. If you want to play, there's a place for you. Um, you know, and I went to junior college for a year because I, I needed to go to junior college for a year. And, and it made a difference in my path going on to Colorado Mesa and, and having a great experience there. And when I would play to Colorado Mesa, it was an NAI school. Um, and, and so bottom line, I wanted to play. I was recruited by other Division One schools, but um, I also felt like, hey, I want to play every day. And I'm going to put myself in the best possible position to do that. And I ended up doing that. I had a great experience and loved every second of it. And, um, my lifeline influencers or, or people that I met at the, at that school and, and people have changed my life. But going back to recognizing, and again, this is not kind of answering your question, but I do want to talk about when kids are, are going through that process and trying to get noticed is really, I always ask kids, how do you want to get noticed? And so I talked about the five tools. I really, that, that there's a, a, a six tool that we look for and it's called CHP. It doesn't sound for, it doesn't stand for a, California Highway Patrol, it, it, it stands for um, can he play? And, and what that means is not just between the chalk either, is that can he play great for me? Is that I'm going to go watch kids. I'm going to see how they interact with guys in the dugout. Is the mom at the fence talking to him, you know, during a game? Like, that's not okay, right? Um, does he hustle on and off the field? Is it a hard 90 every time he hits a ground ball? Um, is it a pitcher that doesn't get weird when somebody makes a mistake behind him? That's a can he play grade. Does he have a feel for it? And to me, when a scout goes in, like whether it's a college scout or professional scout, is that really, again, the easy ones are very, it's easy to kind of recognize, okay, these guys are good. Those guys are kind of cream of the crop. The 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 90% of the other guys that are standing on the field, how are you going to be a notice? How do you want to present yourself? And in, in, because now you're in an interview. And how are you, if you're that 5'8", you know, 155-pound left-handed hitting um, outfielder, um, how are you going to get yourself noticed? Because you're not going to – you are not. You don't fill out a uniform. Um, and, and, again, I go back to Matt Ruddick, who just got drafted this past year, 5'8", you know, 150-pound kid in high school. How was he noticed? The kid played his tail off every single time I went to play him. He was always on the rail – watching the game, getting after it. He was the first guy to grab a glove. He's a left-handed thrower. If the catcher wasn't ready, he'd grab the freaking glove and say, yeah, you know, I'll catch. I'll warm up the pitcher in between innings. And so how are you going to get yourself noticed is, is really the net, the CHP grade. And it's really important to our program. Uh, obviously, there's the, that couple, three guys that, that are very easy to recruit. The rest of our roster is full of guys that, that are grinders and get after it. Okay. All right. So – Here's the question that, you know, a lot of people ask, where do you find these guys? Where are they coming from? What is happening? Um, you know, I, I know that you probably utilize a lot of different avenues uh, to find players. But, you know, we talk a lot about the showcases that are occurring and people are traveling and spending a good deal of money to do so. Where where do you really go and recruit? I mean, you only have four people right now that are in your that are on your roster from the, that are outside the state of California. So can you give us a little insight as to what happens there? Well, you know, I, you know, I think that, that that's really a, a curse of where our university is, right? You know, we're in Southern California, uh, you know, it's a highly populated area, a lot of baseball played in San Diego County, LA County, Orange County. Um, and so 
we don't have to reach too far outside of just our, our, our little area here because there's a lot of good baseball here. Um, obviously, we got to do a great job of getting those kids to come to San Diego State. Um, and then the kids that kind of rec- you know, that we recognize, whether it's from Las Vegas or Hawaii or Reno, those kinds of places, obviously, there's, there are connections there for those kids that are kind of outliers, guys that come to our, our winter camps when they're eighth to ninth grade. And we can develop a relationship with them. And, you know, you said four kids on our campus from out of state. Three of those guys kind of went that path. They were on campus in a camp at some point. Um, Might have been when they were, you know, seventh grade, eighth grade, whatever it might be. But now we know who they are. So where do we go? Honestly, the first thing that I tell our guys that go, you know, Sean and and Sergio go out and recruit. First and foremost is if we like a kid, the first phone call we're going to make is the high school coach. We're going to find out. Who, you know, what's going on with this kid academically? What is his social skills? How does he interact with his teammate? Um, is it a kid that uh, has transferred, you know, from high school to high school to find out how the, you know, program's going to, you know, fit their needs? Are they upset because, uh, you know, they're not playing as much as they think they should be? Or maybe they were a pitcher, hitter, and then all of a sudden they're just pitching at a particular high school. They don't like that. And I can tell you this is that, you know, if, if you're kind of falling into that trap as a, as a player and you end up on a, a Division One campus, I can promise you more times than not, that's not going to work out. That kid's going to be um, probably done after a year only because it's just not going to fit what they want. And I'm looking for kids that understand that they're committing to a program and it's not how, you know, the program's going to fit their needs. It's how are they going to fit into the program? How are they going to, you know, help us? realize that opportunity to go play for a national championship and, and understanding that. And again, starts with me, you know, our, our, our coaching staff recruiting kids that are broad focused. They understand, um, you know, that the academic piece is going to be right in their face and, and they need to commit to that. And when they do commit to that, then I think we have kids that are going to commit to the program um, and not just, well, what is the program going to do for me? It's definitely it's the other way to have a great experience and have that opportunity to play past college. And so, you know, go out and, and getting that information from high school coaches really tells a lot about a kid. And and then we do follow up with those. You know, if, it, if it's a kid that that's a sophomore and all of a sudden, you know, uh, trial ball guy calls us and we go see him play. We're going to call that high school coach and then we're going to follow up. Right. You know, we, we can't go out and recruit from, you know. October to March. And so a lot of times, you know, especially in warm weather areas, the, the, the kids are doing winter ball, they're working out and, you know, they're infusing themselves right back into the high school. And so we'll follow up with that high school coach, you know, early part of the spring. Hey, how's it going with, with, you know, Dave Ming over there at your high school? Um, had, you know, he had a really good summer as a sophomore. He's going to his junior year. How's it going? Um, and right away, you're going to know, if it's going backwards from a high school coach, he's going to give you those red flags. And then right away, you're going to find out is like, Hey man, you, you talking to him last summer and five other schools talking to him. He's really changed his workout. He's working his heart, his tail off, you know? And so uh, we're, we're going to continue to follow up to, to kind of see how that, that experience is in high school and how, you know, that, that player is in that student athlete is uh, continuing to pro- progress and, and move the right way. Whether we get them or not, we're still going to follow up with those things until they say, hey, I'm going to go somewhere else, or hey, we're going to come to San Diego State. Obviously, that kicks a lot of other stuff into play. But uh, that's kind of what we try to do. 
Um, and and uh, it, it's working for us, and it's still not a perfect system, but but we're going to continue to try and, and get as close as we can to per- perfection. How often, how often do you actually um, find kids that you didn't go out to see? Like you went to a showcase to view a specific couple of players and you happened to stumble on somebody else. Does that happen often? Because I know your time obviously is valuable. The, the time of your staff is valuable in terms of recruiting and you're going out to see a, you know, a list of guys that you guys are you know, considering for your team. When does that, you know, kind of need, not, I don't want to say needle in a haystack because obviously you're looking at top tier guys, but how often does that really happen that somebody catches your eye and you are stopping to take a really good look? For me personally, it happens a lot, you know, and, and I'm very fortunate that, um, you know, my son's playing high school baseball. So, I, you know, I kind of get two for ones there. If I, if I have an opportunity to go watch him play um, and then, you know, obviously with travel ball and those kinds of things, but um, you know, it, it always goes back to how are you going to get noticed? Is that CHP grade? Can he play? And, um, you know, I might be sitting on a pitcher and all of a sudden I'm going to gra- gravitate to that guy's getting after it, hustling, um, showing that he's engaged. And it could be on a backfield that, you know, in Peoria, it's 120 degrees. Um, those kids, I, I, they catch my attention, you know, and, and it might not lead into anything, but I, it will lead to me going to the dugout and say, Hey, I need that guy's information right now. And I'll follow that up, you know, with a, you know, with a phone call to the high school coach and find out more about a kid. Um, and and I'll, I'll tell you, like, right now we have a, a catcher in our program. His freshman, his name's Evan Syke, um, played at San Marcos. He was behind. He's actually a catcher that was behind another guy that was kind of a famous dude. Um, and I went to see my son play a couple times against this high school and, and uh, I know the high school coach at San Marcos pretty well. He played at San Diego State. So, you know, and he kept telling me, you know, about this. Evan, can he DH once in a while? I go, how about catching him one time? And I said, I'm not trying to tell you your job, but go go do it. Well, that day, obviously, you know, <clears throat> I, I asked to see him. But I was also there to, to um, we had a kid on, on my son's team. This kid was pitching. I was obviously there to kind of really bear down on that guy. And this kid just kept doing stuff the right way. And lo and behold, you know, the week later, I call a high school coach, need his stuff, let's kind of start this communication, find out he's an unbelievable student, four point whatever, um, you know, senior, playing behind a guy that was super famous, that's going to a big time division one school. Well, it turns out that, you know, who's the, who's the guy that's having an unbelievable fall and um, is moving his way into an opportunity to play a bunch as a freshman, my guy. You know, he came to San Diego State. He was a walk-on. Um, you know, um, definitely just kind of be transparent there. Um, and walked on, obviously invited, walk-on, roster spot guy. And, and right now, um, he's our he's our number two catcher in our program. And really, it's been that continued progression. As remember, last spring was his senior year, and that guy continued to improve all summer into the fall. By the end of our fall, the guy's one of our better catchers, and and if we're start tomorrow, he's our backup catcher. And and so, how how often does it happen? It does happen to me a lot, um, because when I'm out there, uh, obviously I, I love watching baseball, and I love watching good baseball. And and when I see a kid that's a, that has a passion for it, I'm going to watch that guy for a little bit. He might not have the tools to play at our level, but I, I you know I'm going to tell you this, you know, I, I, again watching my son this summer. Um, watching a, a travel ball deal this summer, 
Um, there was another school. I'm not going to tell you what other school it was. Non-division one. Um, one of, one of my son's teammates, really good little player, man, and, but not getting any attention. Nothing. Nothing's happening division one wise, right? And, and my son's really good friends with this kid. I kept telling him, Hey, look, you need to go play. And, and I was out, out at the Pure. I'm like, Hey, told this other school, I'm like, you need to come and watch this guy play because he's caught my attention all summer. And I would walk him on right now. And I said, but I don't have room for him. I mean, that kid has improved up to that point. And um, this other program is a Division II program here in California. Well, what happens the rest of the weekend? He's following this kid around because he caught his eye. And he, the kid caught my eye. Didn't play for my son's high school, but he caught my eye. And I'm like, God, that guy's pretty good, man. And all of a sudden, it gets to the point where back into the summer, I'm like, I might want to find a way to walk this guy on. Um, uh, but... I don't have room for him in our 22 class right-handed infielder, right? If he was left-handed hitter, maybe, but uh, right-handed hitting infielder, I had a lot of those guys already. So and I think, anyway, sorry. I think lost. No, you're fine. And, and lost in the shuffle, I think is the, is the idea of a preferred walk-on. I think people don't even realize that that happens. Uh, All the time. You touch on it just, just for a moment uh, before we move yeah, on. Yeah. So they just think about it normal year. And again, we'll see how this kind of plays out in this next, uh, legislative cycle but um rosters 35 okay there's 35 guys that you're allowed to have on your roster and that roster just so everyone knows is that that roster does not have to be set until 48 hours before your first game in the spring so you could have 50 some dudes on your roster in the fall um only 35 make it and of those 35 um 27 Max can be on scholarship. Maximum. Can't have more than 27 guys on scholarship. So, again, you start doing the math. There's going to be eight guys that are not on money that are impacting your program immensely. And that is the invited walk-on dues. Those are the guys that we ask that come to, you know, get into school that's very difficult to get into, walk-on, earn a, earn a job. And what I will tell you is that, um, that part of our program, and I would say most Division One coaches are going to say the same thing, that is kind of like the inner workings of your engine. That is a very, very important piece of what we're doing. And a lot of times those kids, when money does open up, maybe it's their sophomore, junior year, those kids are rewarded with scholarship money. Uh, if it's available, I'm telling you, and it happens in our program all the time. And uh, a couple years ago, again, I don't, 2017 was his senior year. Um, we had a young man, his name's Danny Sheehan. He walked on um, his senior year, obviously, was on money. He was the Mountain West Player of the Year, but he's a walk-on. Um, and in his freshman year, he played left, center, right, third, short, second, first, um, and played everywhere. You know, and, and I would say he probably averaged one at-bat a game. But he played a lot as a freshman, as a walk-on. Um, but he played a lot of different positions he, and he ended up being the Mountain West player of the year as the shortstop his senior year in college. And, and that's a testament to this hard work and his attitude, right? And obviously Absolutely. his role from the Absolutely. beginning. Let me ask, uh, because I did survey, I surveyed some listeners and I said, if you had this opportunity, what would you want to know? What would you want to ask? Uh, I reframed, reframed some of these questions. Uh, but, you know, so many of our parents are approached by programs. I uh, mentioned travel ball, coaches will call you and they're saying, well, you know what, if you want to, if you want to play here, you want to play there, you're going to have to play for us 
because of the relationship or the ability to make a phone call or just because we are we're the ones that are going to go to these type of tournaments um and they kind of you know um I don't want to say corner, but they definitely apply some pressure saying, you know, if you don't play for us, you're not going to get the opportunities that your kid deserves. What would be your advice to parents in this type of situation? Don't listen to that stuff. You know, I think, you know, what bottom line is, is that, you know, if you're good enough, you're going to be seen, you're going to be asked to play somewhere, whether it's Division One or not. Um, you know, really, you got to be very careful of, of that message. Um I would say is that if if a program is doing that, then they might they, they they're probably trying to build clientele. They obviously don't have any kind of record of anything, um, you know. But at the same time, um, if you're good, it, people are going to find you. Whether you're playing high school baseball, travel baseball, whatever you're doing, um, most importantly is you got to play. You know, I, the, the showcase stuff is is starting to get less and less. Um, uh, looked upon as a way to recruit kids. I think playing the game and, and finding opportunities to play in important games. I shouldn't say playing the game, playing in important games. Um, again, if you read between the lines, those are the high school games that, that a lot of kids that are getting the opportunity to do that. Um, playing games that people are going to find you. They're going to find you. Um, you don't have to pay uh, a bunch of money. If you live in Las Vegas, you don't need to go two weeks down to Atlanta and spend, you know, eight, ten thousand dollars just to go chase whatever um, with, with schools that are probably not going to recruit you. You know, you know, pick out some schools that you're really interested in. Go to their camps. Go go get in front of those coaches. You get you have a probably a, a great high school that you're playing for. You probably have a local travel ball team that's going to be just fine. Um, that are going to do the right things, find a way to train you, go out and play the game, um, but really do it the other way around. If you're interested in going to San Diego State, come to camp. And and really, and I'm not trying to line my pockets. I'm telling you, it's probably a great way to know, is Coach Martinez an idiot? Does he really even know what he's talking about? Um, because in a camp setting, I'm going to work with an infielder. I'm going to work with hitters. I'm going to be around guys throwing bullpens. You're going to find out real quick whether that's even a fit or not, then you have to dive deeper into it and say, okay, well, I want to go to San Diego State. It's a really cool deal, but my passion in life is going to be, um, I want to be a, a forest ranger. Well, we don't have that. We don't have, you know what I'm saying? And so that's it. That's, you know, you're just going to go to school and be miserable or do you really want to go do what you want to do? And so um, you're going to be found as long as you're a good player, you don't need to go showcase. You don't need to go pay a bunch of money to showcase yourself. And you can go to one or, you know, really showcase would be go to camp. Spend your money that way. If you're interested in going to uh, um, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, go to their camp. If you're interested in going to UNLV, go to their camp. Find out. Be around the coaches and then find out. Is the head coach going to be at camp? Is it a prospect camp or is it a money maker? You know, if you see prospect camp and the, the, the clientele's limited to about 40, 45 guys, that's a good one because you're going to have all the coaches, uh, you know, in there watching it. Um, if it's a money maker, there's, you know, 100-some guys there at the camp, and it's probably not a good situation for you. You know, so I would say get in front of coaches, find out. And then, then the next piece of that is, let's say you're a 23 grad. Go and look at the roster, okay? Go and figure it out. Go and look at the roster and say, okay. Here's, here's, you know, San Diego State's roster, and I'm, a, I'm an outfielder, right? I'm a right-handed hitting outfielder. Let's just go that route. Um, 
and I look at our roster and how many guys are listed as outfielders and then do your homework. Cause some might say infield outfield could say catcher outfield count those people, you know, and, and, and I can tell you right now, we have seven of those guys right now on our campus and, and they're not all pure outfielders. Um, but that's being honest, you know, I don't need to go recruiting more outfielders in the 22, 23 class. I don't. Um, and so look at the roster, figure out, okay, I'm a left-handed hitting outfielder. I see on San Diego States, and this is not the case, but I'm just using an example. I see on San Diego States out of, out of the six guys that they have on campus, four of them are right-handed hitting outfielders. That's probably a good spot for me because I'm a left-handed guy. I know I could, I could squeeze my way in a lineup because I have something to offer. If I'm a right-handed hitting outfielder and look at that same scenario, probably not a good, good deal. I've never so. seen a situation where you had too many lefties. <laughs> exactly. I've never seen exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, uh, the left-handed hitting in college baseball def- definitely makes a difference. It really does because the best pitching in college baseball is right-handed arms. Um, the best pitching that, that left-handers that, that play high school baseball typically are going to professional baseball. So, so the best, best pitching in college baseball is right-handed pitching. So to offset that, got to have some quality lefties to kind of offset that a little bit. I've got two more questions on the recruiting topic. Hey, Mo, hey, Mo, can I I just step in for a minute? Absolutely. Um, I I think, you know, all the stuff, Coach, that you just mentioned, uh, the best part of that is is that from a cost standpoint, uh, that's very minimal, right? So a few things I heard is do your research on rosters to understand if it's a fit. I've often told players all the time, you know, you, you could be a catcher selling yourself to a school but not asking the school what do you need? Uh, you're, you're pigeoning yourself down a road that, that they don't need you. The other thing is, is that I heard you say, you know, so important in life is to start building relationships, going to camps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and so that's, you know, that's the thing I want to get out of this podcast is how do we better show um, things of value and then put it back on the kid to do his research uh, and his homework. No different than when you go and look for a job, right? You write a resume. You do your research and you understand, you know, I, I've often told kids all the time, if you would take 30 minutes less on social media, your telephone and come back to me and give me five junior colleges, five division ones, five division twos, and five division threes, tell me what you want to study. What do you want to do after your studies? And then why do you want to play baseball at that particular program? But we don't do those things. And mm-hmm. so uh, I, I just want to say thanks for sharing that because I, that's exactly what, you know, the purpose of this podcast is that I want to share with, with, you know, all the players. So, uh, love that. Well, you know, uh, it, it, that thing, yeah, and I, and I love that Dave. I mean, the bottom line is, is this, is that, um, I know we're talking to parents, right? We're talking to players right now, right? We're talking to them. And I can tell you that, that people probably spend more time choosing a, a new car than they do a college anymore. And, and, and that's, what's crazy about it is that, you know, what I want kids to understand is that, that don't take this decision lightly. This is a life decision, you know, within, within the, in the framework of your entire life. If you have a, if you live a full life, you, you, you're going to live to 90 years old. And, and really you're looking at four years of your life that are early stage of your life that can be very impactful on what path you're going to go through the rest of your life living to 90 years old. And so, you can't sit here and just say, "Well, I'm going to go because you know there's a shiny object that's that's really 
um, attracting, you know, my attention. They're, they're, you know, they have attention in me or they want, really want me. And I'm going to go there because it looks cool on Twitter or it looks cool at the, at the water cooler. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you start to look back and you, you know, you're going into your senior summer and, and all of a sudden you look at, you finally do your research, you look at the roster and you're a right-handed pitcher. And, and all of a sudden you look at the roster at shiny object university and, um, Holy cow, there, there's nine right-handed pitchers and, and out of those nine, six of them are, are, uh, sophomores, two of them are freshmen, one junior, like, Oh, I'm in trouble, you know, and, and, and that happens. Right. And, and so now is, are they really committed to the school for what is their career path? Not baseball. What is their career path? How is this school going to impact me lifetime? Um, so coach, do you research it, it, it? I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I, I wanted to piggyback on that. Um, what would you say about the trend about um, kids? So your, your average GPA at, at San Diego State is 3.77. You have an ACT range of 22 to 29. What would you say about the current trend, it, it, just in general in college baseball, about eighth and ninth graders committing? Well, I, again, it, it, a, I guess that the, what I, yeah, I, I get it, you know, and, and we're guilty, right? We're recruiting those guys. We're guilty. We, you know, I'm not, I don't think that we have any commits in the 25 class or anything like that. And, um, but uh, I don't like it. To be honest with you. You know, as you think, uh, you think about asking a 15, 14, 15 year old to make a life decision. Right. Um, and, and, uh, uh, when they can't get their face out of their phone for more than, you know, 35 seconds, you know. And so uh, it, to me, you know, again, I tell parents that when they come on campus, they say, please understand this. I will never put a deadline on a kid to make a decision to come to San Diego State. So if we offer a kid, I never say, hey, you have 10 days to respond. And I said, because, again, I'm not going to put pressure on a kid like that. If you don't if you don't feel like San Diego State's the place for you, don't come don't come to San Diego State. Just because it's really cool. We got, we got beautiful girls. We have palm trees. It's a vacation destination. If you're coming here for that, it's the wrong decision. If you're coming here to, to, that you know that the next four years of your life, and I'm talking your education is going to impact you for the rest of your life. That's, that's probably more important than anything else. And so if you want to come in as a kinesiology major and that is your career path, is San Diego State going to have a program that's going to impact your life? the rest of your 90 years on earth, um, then I, I'm going to accept that commitment. And, and, and so there's so no time frame for that. It still has to work out academically. It still has to work right. out, you know, mutual interest and mm -hmm. the growth as the player and so forth. Um, Absolutely. Okay. Right. And here's, the, here's another one, Dave. And, and again, here's the other one. Kids don't look at how long is the coach going to be there? What's his contract? You know, what's happening? What's their track record? You know, shiny new object. That that coach could be 500 or less coach, right? It's just it's a cool place to go to school, you know. But is that – what's the winning? What's the what, – have they – you know, how many regional – how many championships? How many kids have, have graduated, right? How many kids have, uh, you know, returned to school to get their post-secondary degree? I'm sorry, a postgraduate degree. Um, you know, how, how many of those kids are out there doing it? Right. You know, and so how long is the coach in place? 
That is so critical. You could be a, a, a ninth grader right now, okay? You can be in ninth grade. And for, for me, I just signed a, you, you had mentioned this, I, I just signed an extension in 2026. Well, start doing the math. The end of my contract, you, you come on campus, I could be gone. Right. You know, and so, um, and, and that's what I, uh, just going back to what do I think about early recruiting is awful for me. And, and, and again, it goes back to life recruiting or life, <clears throat> life changing decisions. That the problem again, and, and you, we all see it, is that if something doesn't work out, because this is kind of how we're growing our kids through baseball, something doesn't go work out, we're going to go pay someone else to make something better for me. So I want to go do something else. That doesn't work out. I don't like that program. I don't like it. The tournaments they go to, I'm going to go pay someone else to go here. Um, and then um, I'm going to make that snap decision to go to the shiny object university. And it's the, not the right fit. And all of a sudden now, I'm going to go put myself in the transfer portal because it's hard. It's hard to freaking play. It's hard to do, do schoolwork. And I'm going to go in the transfer portal. Why? Because, well, it's not my fault that I'm messing up. It's, it's the people that, that are doing it. And so I'm going to put myself in the transfer portal. Well, what happens with all that, again, is that no really good decisions making has been done on the front end. And then in real time, poor decision making is happening as well. And so you're putting a young person in a very difficult place, knowing that if you transfer, guess what? You're delaying your graduation time. Now you're going to be 23 when you graduate, be 24, depending on when your birthday is. You really want to be in school that long? It's going to be a five and a half year plan rather than a four and a half year plan. Um, you know, and, and we're not thinking that way. So just going back to those metrics that you were talking about earlier, 2% of high school players play division one baseball it's an amazing stat it's an amazing stat um how many guys go on to play professional baseball from division one baseball well it's, it's at about a one percent it's, it's a small number you know it's about a 1.7 percent those guys get that opportunity and then once you get to minor league baseball how many of those guys make it to the big leagues and stay in the big leagues um more than four years that's one percent um, and they may, they're making a living. That means they've gotten the free agency, right? They've signed a big contract. That's when you know that you've made a difference. And so um, my whole deal is it's a life decision based on how, how is the university going to change your life for the rest of your life. Um, and, and so that's kind of the kids that we're looking for. I don't know if that's the right way to do it. But what I can tell you is when we put that program in place, We've won a lot of baseball games. We've been to regionals. Um, our kids are graduating from college, and and our guys are out there doing it. I'm, I'm really proud of that, and we're going to continue to try and move that direction um, for sure. Phenomenal, and it's phenomenal information. I'm going to transition to probably one more <clears throat> burning question. Um, you know, you narrowed down your list of athletes in which your program's interested, and you've, you've vetted a player. All right, you may choose to offer a scholarship. San Diego State's tuition is listed as $31,484 for in-state students. It's $43,364 for an out-of-state student. Um, we know that you have 11.7 scholarships, right, to offer. What constitutes a typical offer? What's a typical offer from, you know, for, and whether it's your program or any program you've been a part of or just in general, um, what would be an exceptional offer? And really, does anybody get 100%? I mean, well, yeah, a hundred percent says no, not, not from athletic money. You know, kids could be on hundred percent with, with uh, financial aid or in some cases, academic aid. Absolutely. 
And, and we say part no. of that package is loans. Is student right. Loans. Part, and it could be that part of it is, that is student loans. Right. And so um, not very many guys are being offered 100 percent baseball money. Um, because with 11.7, in order to build a roster, you're going to have to spread spread that out. So the, the money spit really very simply put is that, is that um, the bigger the bigger scholarships, you know, the the 50 to 60 percent maybe scholarships going to go on the mound. You know, you're, you're going to start you're going to start there. You know, and, and um, our largest guy on scholarship right now um, is on 65 percent. Um, he's pretty good. He's, he's, a, he's a really good, low, he's a good player. Um, but our best guy is on 39%. Um, and he throws 98 miles an hour. It's pretty good. <laughs> so, um, we have great coaching in San Diego state. So, um, <laughs> oh, and by the way, <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's where it starts. You're going to spend your money in the middle. So it starts on the mound, right? You're going to move to the premier positions and spend a little bit more money. Uh, catcher, shortstop, center fielder, you're going to start looking at those guys and you're going to spend a little bit more money. You're not going to give them Friday night pitcher money, right? That's not happening. Um, but a premier player, you know, a premier shortstop, premier catcher can be you know, on the 50% range. That's a really smoking deal. Um, you're, you're taking up a big chunk of money for a position player, right? And, and um, our, I think our our largest number on scholarship right now currently is 55% as a hitter. Um, it's shortstop, right? Um, I think I had mentioned a, a freshman catcher from last year um, that plays every position. His name's uh, – I can't I'm not gonna tell his name. Anyway, um, super well, famous dude. He's on, he's on 40%, but he's also a two-way guy. He's, he's one of our closers. He's a catcher. He plays center field. He's a great player. He's on 40%. Um, and, you know, doing just fine by himself. So that's kind of how it works. Not, you start, what, people may not, I said, what people may not know is that 25% is the minimum that somebody can be. 25% so is the minimum. You can't go below 25%. Currently, you can with a, a guy on, on your roster. But to offer anything less than twenty five percent is not allowed by the NCA. Right, and, and so look at it. So I said you're you're essentially trying to make school affordable for them to be able to come to your school and play at your school. Right. And I, I try to so and I I kind of uh, I, I do some college consulting in terms of academic and and so mm-hmm. forth. And I tell people you know when they start talking about sports, you know twenty five percent off sixty thousand dollars is still forty five thousand. <laughs> you know what I mean, you're yeah. still looking at a at a large number that you have to be willing to spend. Uh, exactly, and I think that sometimes people have a misconception that once you're on scholarship, um, that you're free and clear. Not happening, you know. And again, it's it's uh, it, you know, as a baseball player, the the nature of the beast is that you're gonna you, you just need to come to a realization as a parent you're gonna have to pay out of pocket. And it's gonna happen. You can stack though, correct? You can stack between athletic money and academic. Yeah, and and again, the, those metrics are based on what what the school says, right? And so, um, to maintain that academic money and to qualify for that academic money is definitely the school based academic aid, <coughs> whether it's in state or out of state. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, you can use that as long as they qualify for that, and then obviously they have to maintain a certain level of academic excellence once they re- are on campus to keep that money flowing their direction. If, if they, you know, some of them would be 
let's just say it's, uh, you know, you have to have a 3.2 cumulative to keep your academic aid. Well, again, you start looking at that, getting in the door is pretty cool. After that, you might lose that money after your first year because, again, life happens. Uh, freshman year, transfer in the fall, you know, tra- transitioning from high school to to uh, uh, Division One baseball, it's hard in the fall. And then all of a sudden, the spring hits, <coughs> a vicious pace starts to happen. It's 56 games, you're rolling. And at the end of the year, you're still a good student, but now all of a sudden, your cumulative is at 2-9 and you've lost your academic aid. Well, now you have to pay out of po- pocket. So, yeah, you can stack it, absolutely. Um, you know, with FAFSA money, any of those types of things, yes, you can use that Pell Grant, student loans, those kinds of things to kind of offset the cost, absolutely. Can you can you shed some light, um, again, this, this D1 plus <coughs> mentality, which, uh, you know, clearly you can tell my bias against it, uh, but can you shed some light on the type of commitment that's required by your players kind of uh, what their schedules like off season and then in season, since you're already touching upon it. And, and where do you feel that, you know, the hardest transition is for the freshmen coming in? Well, hardest transition really is the time management piece. You know, I think uh, um, they really don't, you know, they, there's really no way to prepare for them. What we do in our program is we bring them in in the summer prior to their starting school um they come in the back end of the second session of summer school really to kind of get acclimated to college they take two classes they move in their dorms really smart, um, really and, smart. <laughs> yeah as yeah as somebody who went through the transition i'm like wow i wish they'd done that yeah so so we do that to kind of ease that you know band-aid ripping off is you know dropping your kids off at school when everybody else is there we do that in the summer when not very many people are on campus they can move in their dorms take their time there's not a bunch of stuff going on um, they take two classes, but really the, the, the biggest thing is time management. It's not, it's not going to the weight room or, you know, going on a baseball field and, you know, you're going to catch up to that. If you're a baseball player, you're a baseball player, right? Right. You know, the, the shock could be all of a sudden you're standing there, a guy throws, you know, 93 with sink now. That, that could be a little shock to the system, but you know, you, you get acclimated to that. You know, if you're a baseball division one guy, you should be able to acclimate that. The biggest thing is that, time management piece is probably the most important thing. Um, like I said earlier, it, you know, <clears throat> school, baseball, all the stuff that, that, that kind of goes every single day, it takes up a lot of your day. So an example of a day would be, um, you know, you get up, you have an eight or nine o'clock class, you have class from, you know, eight or nine to 11 or 12, you go get some lunch, you're supposed to be on the yard at um, one o'clock, um, we start practice. We're done at four. We go to the weight room from, you know, four 30 to five 45. That's dinner time, right? You got to have some food. Then that night you're going to have uh, mentor tutor meetings that could last until nine, nine 30. And then on top of that, you're going to have some homework. You probably have to finish up. And the hard part again is the time management. Uh, piece. Coach time out, time out. You're in San Diego. You're, you've got a beautiful campus. You've you've got a you know wonderful setting. You forgot to mention the beach, the parties, and the girls. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult. Now, here's what I'll tell you: is that you know, is that we we understand that the schedule is vicious, um, and and we try to teach them those time management skills in order to open up opportunities. Again, if you put those things in front of School and baseball, you're going to fail miserably in school and baseball. Um, but if you take care of school and baseball in, the, in a timely fashion, some of those opportunities are going to open up, right? You're going to have everything locked down. 
you know, you, you got a day off. Let's say we give you a Sunday off or whatever. There there's goes the beach or whatever, as long as you have everything done. Um, and, and so that's the hardest transition for, for young people is that what you just said, there's all this stuff coming at them, man. You know, you, you, you got the pretty girls, you got the beach, you got all this stuff going on. Um, and, and if, if they get, you know, like uh, if they get their attention that direction, they're going to fail and not fail. They're going to struggle big time. Um, if they can say, I got something to do and then go do that stuff. Those typically, those, those are the guys that kind of transition. I mission our, our catcher again, he's a, he, he's a really good student. He takes care of business, but he also can go to a basketball game right here and there, go to go, go watch our football team or whatever. And so taking care of those things first is the, the hardest thing as freshmen is time management for sure. And, and as a parent, when, when my kid struggles to come home from practice, eat and do his homework and complains about being tired, he has no idea. <laughs> he has no, I have idea. no idea. They have right. no idea what that really means. Cause you yeah, it's a full up. day, you know, and, and, and I think you, you had asked a question is about when does it start and when does it end? Here's what I'll tell you is when you get on campus, um, and never ends until you graduate that, you know, we, we have, we have stuff that we are doing from the day you get on campus until you finish your, 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 uh, <coughs> transition through, through college. And it's through summer, it's through winter break. You are, there are things that you're having to check boxes just for baseball alone. And so, as a hitter, I can promise you this. The minute you step on campus, you will live four days a week the rest of your time until you're on at San Diego State. Fall, winter, spring, summer, four days a week, without fail, game day, doesn't matter. You're lifting four days a week. And there, it's not, I'm tired, I'm not lifting. You lift, you're lifting. You might play Friday night at 6. You're in the weight room at 9 o'clock. It's happening. And, and, uh, so we try to get them in that routine. They understand that the, the lifting, the fitness piece is never going to go away. Yeah, and there's no, quote, unquote, time off from the weight room. It's not happening. Do you when you come, come on campus, having not lifted, I'm sorry. Do guys come in having not been on some type of strength regimen? Not like this. I can promise you that. That That is a little bit of a big, you know, kick in the groin when all of a sudden they figure out that the strength program is a little different than when they might be doing but they should um, be on you know, one. I mean, they should definitely be on one if they're They should be and find one that can, you know, two days a week for sure. Um, move weight, man. If you're going in and you're just doing, you're just doing, uh, you know, J bands and med balls, move weight. I'm just telling you, move weight. And I'm not telling you to be an offensive lineman and <laughs> squat 600 pounds and bench 300s, whatever. That's not what I'm saying. But you move weight, right? Move weight, high high amount of reps, and move weight, and challenge yourself in the weight room that direction. Um, at least twice a week, get in there and be challenged. Four days a week, you know. Obviously, we have a program. We have a great strength coach that kind of designs everything. But just to kind of reiterate, is that from that summer they come on in, as a freshman. They start off five days a week for four weeks, and then they go four days a week the rest of the time they're here. And they are checking in. They are making sure that they're tracking what they're doing. It's not just we hand them stuff. They have to track what they're doing. Um, and you can tell if a guy's fudged or not, right? You can tell if a guy's actually writing down what he's doing during a, a deal. So 
Um, you know, and, and what I'll tell you is that, that you know, and, and, and I'll get off this subject is the weight program, but I'm going to tell you right now, the kids that, that I talk to and I call them kids cause I'm old now that are playing professional baseball. Um, <clears throat> that's probably the first thing they tell me. They say, if I didn't do the weight program that's designed for me at, at San Diego state, I would have never made it to the big leagues. And, and, and sometimes again, it's, it's not even the physical piece of it. It's committing here. It's understanding when I go in the weight room, I'm fully engaged. I'm not just checking a box, man. I am getting after it. Mental toughness. And, and, and that, that is the, that is the difference maker. And I, and Alan Trejo played for the Colorado Rockies this past summer. He was up and down in the big leagues. Um, you know, he, he, he texted me and said, again, he just said, Hey, thank you. He goes, I know I really wasn't mentally engaged until my sophomore year of college. He says, and, and now I wish I could go back. He goes, now I'm, he's, he's not on the door of the big leagues, like an everyday guy. And he said, if I could go back for that one, it, it would have changed my trajectory going to the big leagues a little quicker. And so again, it's it's really it's not physical it's mental engagement when you go and do it last question for you and and i appreciate the amount of time that you've given us at this point just phenomenal information phenomenal information but um and this is this is your open forum i guess what do you wish players and parents knew or understood prior to the entire process i mean you're talking these kids some parents are pushing as young as they've got six-year-old travel teams you know, eight, nine, ten, so forth. People are talking about college at ten. You know, down to juniors have not visited college campuses and are talking about applying to places that they've never seen or right. even gone onto Google Earth. So, in your experience, uh, which it's vast, obviously, what what do you wish you know people knew before they even started? Not even is a couple things. One, I'll start with the academic piece. You know, is that just understanding that 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 hold your hold your young people accountable in that area, not for the baseball piece. Baseball piece is going to take care of itself. They have a passion for it. They're going to continue to get better and, and, and matriculate the right way. Hold them accountable academically, no matter what. And that's kindergarten, first grade, third grade, eighth grade. Hold them accountable. Don't let them, don't let them cut corners academically. Find a way to challenge them. They get to senior year and they and they can sit there and go teacher's assistant da 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 no 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 take AP classes challenge them because that is going to make a difference in their again lifetime not just this little small little window that we're trying to to get to college and this one this one might sting a little bit what I wish more parents would understand is um, when when you have a child starts saving money for college. Period in the story. It doesn't matter if they're a good baseball player. Doesn't matter if they're a good football player. Doesn't matter if they're a volleyball player. Doesn't matter. Put yourself in a position to where if there's no sports, your kids can go to college very comfortably and you can help them out with, with setting yourself up financially to go for your people to go to college. And, and I think that's probably the biggest thing is that, you know, when I sit down and talk about scholarship money, the easier conversations always are uh, a, a mom or a dad saying, listen, we're in a good place. What are you offering us? 
we understand what baseball is all about. We understand the scholarship structure. You know, wh- what are you offering us? Hey, I'm going to offer you, you know, 35%. You know, you're, you're a third, you know, right-handed hitting third baseman. And they, and they're like, Hey man, we, we got the rest of it covered. We're good. Appreciate the offer. Thank you so much. You know, where they've, they've planned ahead. They know that, that they have this much in a kitty for a four year period of time in order to either pay for college or to offset the cost if they do have an opportunity to get a scholarship. So th- those two things, academics and, and planning ahead, you know, long term financially is really, and again, if you're spending, if you're spending, you know, ten thousand dollars to go down to Atlanta twice a summer, you're probably spending your money wrong. Save that money for college, man. All right, coach. Really appreciate it. Uh, that was head coach San Diego State Mark Martinez. Uh, we were joined by Dave Ming, and to all the listeners out, Ron Deck Baseball Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. So insightful, coach. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Uh, and I'll come visit you at the beach when you give those guys a <laughs> Absolutely, man. Come on over. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm honored that you asked. And and uh, so thank you very much. And, you know, best in baseball, right? Let's keep grinding and, and, and uh, flooding people with great information. And what you're doing is awesome. So thank you for including me. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate, appreciate your time. We'll be rooting no, for thanks, you David. in the spring. Definitely rooting for you. That was head coach Mark Martinez from San Diego State University. Once again, coach, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. And to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Next time on On Deck, a baseball podcast, head coach Harold Eckert from the local team, The Express, will join us and discuss youth development from the ages of 7 to 12, how he took his team from a local elite to a national powerhouse. Thank you very much. Have a great night.